<laughs> well, well, it's on now, so we better figure it out. Good well, evening, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. We're just sitting here. Hey, what are you going to talk about? No, I <laughs> we were sitting here. Have no clue what we're going to talk about tonight. Wait, so I mean, because uh, <laughs> we can't we can't talk about college football because that's not our wheelhouse. But that's what we were talking about when, before I hit the button. Um, <clears throat> so, well, yeah, well, there you go. Right, right, Johnny on the spot there, hit the button for me. Well, one of us has got to become the producer on this show, okay? Well, listen, I've been traveling all weekend. I was in Tennessee, went to a wedding, and then spent some time at Dollywood, which which brings me to something I wanted to share with y'all. I learned something this weekend. Um, walking around um, and spending some time with my eight-year-old, I noticed something about him, and that's that he loves to point out things um, and explain things. He generally doesn't have any idea what he's talking about, but he thinks he does. Um, and so he'll point out very obvious things or he'll say, hey, dad, you know, well, you know, this, this is how that works. And I'm like, yeah, buddy, sure, sure it does. And I realized that's what it's like talking to social media comment sections. It's like you put out a piece of information well that's not how that works well yeah but 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 it but it is nope 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 that's not how it works i'm gonna tell you how it works i'm like but you don't have any idea what you're talking about so spending the weekend with my eight-year-old just really clued me in on what it's like dealing with a with a, a social media comment section because the trolls on tiktok are easy to come by i mean they're plentiful they, they're just they just drive by stupidity all the time and um, you know, there's some people in there that you'll see have some genuine questions, but the rest of them are just, you know, diarrhea of the mouth. And, um, uh, so what you're saying is that people on social media have the IQ of an eight year old. Is that what you're saying? They have the emotional intelligence of an eight year old. That that's about and, you know, and maturity. Yeah. Yeah. That that's about, that's about where we're at. Okay. Um, you and know, because, and we, and we're, we've gotten, and we're, and we're spending all this time and money to be there. Well, <laughs> Do, okay. I need, we, do we need to question that decision? Or? <laughs> yeah, possibly. And we're, one, we're wondering why we had to go pick up a truck up in Janesville? <clears throat> well, you know, we've we've put some content out there. But, you know, it's it the TikTok alder, algorithm is probably better than any of the others because, I mean, it but it can hook you in. You, you get in there and go to scrolling and, you know, and hours go by. But it knows just what to send you right at the, the amount right time either you know it could be some tear jerking story and it'll get you to squalling or you know or you'll be laughing uncontrollably at some baby or you know you just you just don't know what's coming next and then an amazing piece of information and um you know and you learn how to cook new dishes and you learn new ways to clean your house and um it's pretty incredible but god what a time waster i mean a, i mean it can just make hours just disappear in an instant um yes it can yeah so what uh well let's so what do we got new um <sighs> we've talked about all the drama and 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 all that stuff that we've had to deal with and and so now we're i guess kind of getting back to normal. well i guess here's what we can talk about um craig fuller uh issued a twitter thread the other day that was pretty interesting he was talking about um, you know, they've got at Threat Waves, they've got these amazing 
tools that they've developed, uh, freight indexes. Um, and, and they pretty much built that stuff all in-house. And it's, it's really impressive, the data, because they're, they're basically buying metadata from carriers and ELD companies and, and, and brokerage, uh, 3PLs. They're just, they're just massively mining all this data, and then they're turning it into usable information. And so he was pointing out the trends of the contract market versus the spot market. And basically, they've both crashed um, down about 30%. And I think if you look at the world that Craig Fuller lives in, it's all about contract rates and 3PLs and mega carriers. And, um, you know, that was the whole deal, I think, back in the day, the idea of hiring me um, to bridge the gap and, and communicate from that corporate level down to the driver. Um, I, don't, I don't think they figured that out yet. But in their world they're measuring these trends and trying to do it in a real time way. Whereas before sonar and all the stuff they developed, you just kind of had to guess you'd look at what happened, you know, a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, and you try to forecast off of that. And they're really trying to come up with some real time data and they have, um, but fuel is up and rates are down and capacities up and, you know, there's not enough loads and we're, we're seeing it, you know, the Landstar board is a microcosm of the larger market um, because we've got both. We've got contract and we've got spot. You know, we're 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 playing in both lanes. And I think that's one of those intangibles with Landstar that nobody wants to talk about or think about is that we do have a lot of good contract freight. Now, BJs won't haul it. <laughs> we have a hard time keeping it. Um, but, uh, you know, we have from the inception of this iteration of the podcast, which goes back to what August of 19. I think about that, right? Yeah. About August of 19, when Larry joined the show, um, we talked about the dip was coming. Nobody could predict it. Nobody knew the day and the hour, but it was coming and it's here. And, you know, I've, I've said a few times that I think, that um, Blue Ribbon almost has to wait for the other side um, to still be here to really prove the model. Um, Larry has already proven it in 2009 and 2014 and 2016 and 2020, but there was really not much of a podcast to, to uh, you know, prove it, to <clears throat> put it on the record, as it were. And so now we're in this position where we're going to be broadcasting every weekend, thanks to Pittsburgh Power, um, to talk about this as it happens. So, and of course, we have all the data. I mean, Larry's a numbers guy, and we've got all the numbers for all these different trucks. And um, But it's just this convergence of low volume, high fuel. Um, everybody's freaked the hell out and have been for almost a 1,000 days back to March of 2020, you know, the, the, the media has turned himself into a professional terrorist organization. Um, and they're just scared the crap out of everybody. Of course, and I guess tomorrow, November 8th will be the culmination of that. <laughs> we'll see which way it's going to go. Uh, so, you know, crazy thing is I'm not worried. I'm curious and I'm 
wondering what it's going to look like because I, this market adjustment has never had the spotlight that, you know, with social media, with Twitter, with TikTok, with YouTube, the, all the people that have gotten into this, the creator space over the last two years, um, there's not ever going to have been as much real time talking about it. So I'm not worried. Um, you know, there was a time I think I would have been, but the numbers don't lie. And if you're getting good fuel mileage, your fuel surcharge pays for your fuel. So it's not, the fuel's not the problem, you know? And I just saw last week, one of the Landstar groups, a guy had been at Landstar six years and a truck went down for 19 days and he had to, he had to go. And I'm thinking six years, man, I mean, there's six years and you can't survive 19 days without a truck. Of course, he was saying the truck still couldn't be fixed. So I'm sure he had, you know, back ordered parts and all that stuff to deal with. But, um, <clears throat> well, part of the reason why you're not afraid or probably the whole reason you're not afraid is that <clears throat> you, you now know what the numbers are. You, 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 you don't, you don't wonder how things are going to work out because you actually know what, I mean, you, you can tell what we need to make a profit. We know what our cost per mile is. Mm -hmm. We know that our operation can still be profitable, even in the current, which everybody thinks this is really so bad. You know, uh, I was looking at some figures today. Landstar put out there, um, the, um, whatever it is, the monthly debt report. And, and over the past five years, we're still within a few percentage points of average um, van rate over the last five years. So it, you know, this is not, this is not abnormal. This is yeah. normal. This ain't the bottom. <laughs> we, we put our business model together to operate in this environment, you know, and, uh, and so there's that you, you have confidence because you've seen how the, you, you know what the numbers are. You don't have to wonder if it's going to work out, you know, and, and, and two, you see what it's like to be able to control costs and what effect that has on things. Um, it, it, the confidence comes with the knowledge, you know, that's, that's where it comes from. And, uh, we, uh, you know, we, we have that knowledge. We share that knowledge with people that are wanting to, willing to listen to it. Um, but, um, you know, the, the people that are worried, the people that don't know that, you know, I mean, I, I've said many, many times I can go to any truck stop in this country and knock on a hundred of the doors. And once they figure I'm not a lot lizard and they talk to me, they will, I can find out with them, um, within a few seconds, if they know what their fuel mileage is and their cost for, I mean, it, it doesn't take long to figure it out and, right. and 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 just like years ago mike beckett used to always say i could go to any truck stop and find 70 percent of wheel bearings loose okay i can go to any truck stop and find 95 percent people behind the wheel have no idea what it costs to run that truck that's where the problem is you know that's that's the problem they, you know they think that they have to get six dollars a mile or eight dollars a mile, nine dollars a mile to make profit, and they and I, I saw the argument this week. Somebody was, I think even Ronnie, I think Ronnie Head, bless his heart, the Apostle Ronnie, you know, he was arguing about um, driving slower and cutting back on costs 
you know, to, 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 you know, to, to be able to make more money in this environment. And everybody was, was, was arguing that a normal argument that I was coming out with. Yeah, but I'd lose a load every week. If I slowed down, I have to drive <laughs> 75 miles an hour or I'm going to lose a load. Even Ronnie was defending it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, well, uh, and, and there was a guy the other day that wanted more percentage and well, you know, the time, oh, yeah, yeah. Landstar should give us 10% more money. I think I, I got that knocked off. Or I, I replied, well, how about, well, you think we should include a pacifier with that extra percentage? And, but as soon as I did that, it got taken down. So I think I killed that one. So, um, well, I, and I, my response and, and, and Ronnie matched it, you know, I've done the math. Yeah. I saw that. I did I've see got, that. I've yeah. got the BSC 9000 and the math yeah. says that if Landstar took, took 25 instead of 35, it's about 16 grand a year. Yeah. Well, it, they don't take 35. I can prove it to you for, right. for years and years and years. It comes out to be about 69 or, or uh, 69%, not, not, uh, I mean, what am I trying to say? To it, the truck is about 70. And when the, the higher the fuel is, yeah, yeah. the See, higher the fuel is, the more money you may. So, I mean, yeah. I've seen some loads really paying 72, 73 right. uh, percent, you know, when you, when you do the math to what the truck's actually getting minus the, you know, the, yeah, it's the, the 35, it's actually about 29% is what it is. Right. Uh, right. When you, when you factor, factor out that ha- some of that money is at a hundred percent, not 65%. But anyway, the, but again, it's but here's the here's the uh, the bigger picture here, though, Chris, Th- this guy is whining and moaning because he's in a situation now where he's having trouble. So Landstar should give him more money. OK, mm-hmm. again, I need somebody to come help me because I can't make money doing the with the decisions that I've made. You know, uh, again, it, it's it's the same thing we see over and over and over again. Is it Landstar's fault that you bought the truck you did? Is it Landstar's fault that you run the operation you did? If, if that's the case, when things are going really good, should Landstar get more of your money? I mean, why should it only right. work one way? You know, uh, it just it, it makes my blood boil. When I see that kind of. Well, and as, as somebody asked, did you give Landstar a refund when the rates were up? But, right, right. Oh, fuck no. I'm telling you guys, <clears throat> speed limiters are coming. That's how well, let me, let me, that, let me, that government who, that government who's, who's alter you bow at that when you need rate help is going to give you, going to grant you your wish and they're going to put speed limiters in all your trucks. Let me hit this one real quick. What's Larry's TikTok? Well, Larry doesn't have a TikTok. Blue Ribbon has a TikTok and it's, well, at, I have one, but I don't ever post anything. So, right. It's but. at Blue Ribbon Logistics. If you want to find Larry speaking words on TikTok, it'll be on the now, at. Now, Larry has a TikTok that has 520,000 views as we speak. Yeah. It's all going to his head. Do you find that to be incredible? I do. I was, I was with some uh, some of our family this week, and I was telling them that. And they looked at me and like, what the hell are you saying to anybody? 520,000? I was like, believe me, I have no idea. I, I think the algorithm is – there's some key word in there that it's being – it's being suggested to everybody it has nothing to do with trucking. So I got to say, <laughs> well, now a little programming note, I, I need some production help from the audience. Um, cause I, lots of times we'll try to come up with a topic beforehand, which means I've got to make a, uh, a Dumb thumbnail man. and that, and that, and I'm, I'm terrible at that by the way. So I need some, as we talk here, um, we, we need y'all to help us with a, uh, a title. 
Now, my first vote for is a title for tonight is Ain't Scared. I, that's where I'm going to start. But y'all can chime in in the comment section and give me a title, what we got we to call this episode. Um, I, think, I think it should be The Night Before. <laughs> yeah. yeah the night was The Night Before. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me hit a, because uh, there's a couple of good comments here. Um, the video on the OPS uh, Lucky Trucking is episode 120 in YouTube. Um, 108. 108. 108. You're right. Episode 108 in, uh, in YouTube. That's the episode on 120. Now, this little snippet was taken from that. And yeah. um, I don't, I couldn't tell you how to find it. It's on TikTok, but I couldn't tell you how to find it. I guess you can find Blue Ribbon and then it lists all of our TikToks. Well, on, it, on, um, well, on the TikTok profile, there's a link and it's a Beacons link. And that has links to everything Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and all that stuff. But if you go to the uh, at Blue Ribbon Logistics, we have a handle on YouTube now, by the way. It's called at Blue Ribbon Logistics. Um, all of our videos are there. But if you search uh, for episode 108, you'll find the full uh, episode there. Right. Maybe but, trucking. But if you go back, but if you go back to, um, to the TikTok thing, it, it lists all of it. It has all of our thumbnails in one place. And, and, and at the bottom of the thumbnail is the number of views on one. Yeah, but that's not what we're, we're talking about episode numbers on YouTube. Well, I, I know, that, but I don't know if this guy's asking if he wants that episode or he wants the TikTok that has 500,000 views. Right. Well, either way, you can find it either way. Right. He needs to watch the, uh, uh, the whole video. So Maple's trucking, uh, what happened to the loves discount? It was 0.07 today. They were giving the biggest discount. Well, used to be pilot and loves both were a standard 25 cents off of the cash price. Then a few months ago, they started offering cost plus. Um, and it was only in certain states you would find flying jays and uh, flying jays, pilots, and loves that had cost plus pricing. Well, same thing with TA and Petro. Um, what I have found is a, a kind of general trend. As the fuel cost starts to rise, the discount shrinks up to the point where it gets high. Okay. And then it'll be at its highest point. And then all of a sudden you'll see the discount gets huge. And that's where the wholesale prices drop, but the retail hangs out there for a minute. And so as we start on the other side, you know, you'll be at a nickel, you know, one day. And then the next day it's a dollar fifty. So whenever you're you're watching the the prices, the discount will shrink as you're going up. And then right before the price comes down again, you'll see this huge uh, variation in the discount, and then it will stay that big, and, and then the retail price will follow that. And it has to do with oil futures and all kinds of nonsense that I can't make myself learn about because it makes my eyes glaze over. But that, that's basically it. Loves is now doing cost plus. And so well, well, again, well, that's why well, you have to wait a minute. That's why you have to use your Landstar. You have to use Landstar one every single day. You don't go, well, Hey, uh, last time that loves was good. No, you look at Landstar one every single day because we've looked at places like Effingham, Illinois, where there's what three pilots and or two pilots of TA and a Petro. And in any given day of the week, one of the four of those that are two miles apart, 
can be much different than the other one. So you cannot ever go on memory. You can't go on all oh, with well, the love says it good. No, you have to look at Landstar one every single day before you make your fuel purchasing decision. And you need to look two or 300 miles down the road to make sure that maybe I don't need, maybe I just need to buy 50 gallons here and go fill up 300 miles down the road. So um, let me, let me say my opinion about that. Number one, the discount doesn't matter. You shouldn't be making your decision on the discount. You're looking for the lowest price. Okay. So the, the discount doesn't really matter. It's if you're looking at your route for today and you look all along your route, you just find the lowest cost for the diesel. Now you got to take the IFTA out for this to work. But it, it, you know, we buy fuel all the time that has very, very little discount, but it's still the cheapest price that's available that day on that route. So you, you, the discount's kind of like smoke and mirrors, you know, you, it doesn't really matter. It, if I can, if I sell fuel for $5 a gallon and I give you a 10 cent discount, it's four ninety. If I sell fuel for four eighty, okay. With a one cent discount, it's still cheaper than the bigger discount. So it doesn't really matter. Don't get confused by the discount. Compare the prices to all the other fuel stops. And if you're at Landstar, the Landstar One app makes that very, very easy. So I'm trying to make sense out of this comment that Richie just made. Good luck. Um, well, using the example of the Landstar 10, 10%, you know, you can save more than what Landstar could give you by making the proper purchasing decisions. Um, and then beyond that, one mile per gallon is much more than the difference between 10%, you know. And, and I did that calculation off like the maximum number. Now, if you're one of these guys out here running 60,000 miles a year, uh, that 10% ain't going to do jack. It's going to be five grand, you know. Um, uh, now on the, the, this is, I'm going to tell you here, the big Chris says mom and pop stations are giving some nice discounts, sat brothers too. And I'm going to tell you what we tell our guys. If it's a nickel, two or three cents, I'm not going to mess with the mom and pops cause they're not turning over as much diesel as the Petros. And, and we all know that, uh, you know, a Petro or TA can get bad fuel too so it's not a um it's not set in stone but i'm a little less willing to go to some of the mom and pops um you know just turnover you know um not saying i absolutely wouldn't do it uh, but you don't get the shower credits and, and that kind of stuff so if it's a couple of pennies or a nickel or something like that if it's a huge discount i'm probably gonna get it um if it sits in the ground very long, it gets condensation in it, and condensation is going to help you know going to help you help you ca catch algae and uh, yeah. let that grow. And so it's sometimes it's not worth the little bit of penny or two savings because they just don't turn that fuel over as often as as the big guys do. Now I've gotten bad fuel at a Petro, um, so it's you know it's not I mean you're always going to get that, but but I think the chances are less that you're going to. Um, that you're going to get it in a, at one that, that, but that puts two or three loads in the ground every day, as opposed to one every week. So, yeah. Um, <sighs> we have oh. a whole, we have a whole episode on buying fuel. It's early, early on. I don't know the number of it. It's probably in the first 
five or 10 episodes that we did, but puts it down to fifties. Yeah. We, we cover IFTA and, and fuel purchasing fuel strategy extensively. Um, and, uh, if anybody wants to know more about that, I'm going to direct you there. 10 count story says, hi, Larry spoke with Michelin product manager, sex one super singles and shared the lunatic over inflation philosophy. Uh, they don't agree with you. I'm a lunatic for life. I don't. Uh, well, here's, here's my answer to that. Cause I've had that same conversation and, um, here, here, here's what happens though. Okay. First of all, you know, you know, who you're talking to, you're talking to some college educated engineer. Okay. And, uh, and he's only told what, you know, the engineers have, to- have told him. I'm going to tell you sitting here right now, when Michelin has a problem, okay, they call Mike Beckett to tell him how to fix it. So Mike Beckett tells me to overinflate the tires. I'm overinflate the tires. I've done it since 2009, every truck I've ever been around with, and I've never had a problem with. So, uh, and I tell the Michelin guys that they shake their head. I don't listen. I don't, Michelin doesn't pay me. They don't sponsor this. I don't even give a fuck about Michelin. The only thing good about Michelin is I like their tires. Okay. Right. Um, but as far as them, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't have any connection to them. And, and I, I think that they're, some of their people I talk to are very arrogant. Um, but I just don't talk to them, you know? So, um, I, I do know this when I have a, when I, when, when I, um, do what Mike Beckett tells me to do, I don't have problems with tires. Okay. Uh, I have a history when I drive a truck of getting 450, 475,000 miles on a set of Michelin or a set of uh, uh, singles and about 275 to 300 on a set of steers, overinflating them. And I put, and I used to inflate my singles at 140, okay, 140, because I had my own air chuck and I could go slip in there and do it. Uh, so uh, look, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, can, we do this to share what we consider our best practices that work good for us. Like every uh, show you ever watch on TV or here, you have to take that and measure that against your, your um, practice and your operation and make sure what's best for you is safe and da, 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 da. I, I, I accept no liability for this other than the fact that it works for me. It works for our fleet. And uh, the person that I think the most of in the tire business and, oh, by the way, every tire manufacturer and OEM in the world hires him to fix their problems. That's where I got the information. So, anyway. Um, let's see. what um, I just saw a comment that I wanted to put up here, and now I lost. Oh, here it was. Um, had to replace a dryer on my truck today, $1,500 all told. I'm assuming we're talking about the air dryer. I need to know what truck and what uh, engine. Um, because I, I've learned something very interesting about air dryers. We, we, we service our air dryers once a year. And so I was going to wherever I could find it the cheapest. Sometimes it's Napa. Sometimes it was the dealer. But I was going and buying the desiccant. And I was buying the purge valve. And I was spending... 220 to 275 dollars you know for this dryer or this desiccant and purge valve for a bendix 89 dryer and um plus you had to pay the labor you know somebody about an hour of labor because the thing's got to come off the truck 
regardless. You got to take, you got to remove it from the truck, set it on the bench, rebuild it and put it back on. So I, uh, was talking to a guy at West Virginia spring and radiator. And I was telling him he used to be a Napa guy and he was kind of my go-to. If I couldn't find something, I could text Robert and he would be like, you know, just from memory. Oh, well, here's, you know, here's five different part numbers and three different manufacturers and find me all kinds of stuff. Y'all, I bought a brand new Bendix AD9 air dryer for $175. No core. I don't even have to, I don't have to take it apart. I don't have to do nothing. $175 for a brand new one. I, I, I can't be, I can't buy the parts to rebuild one for that. So, uh, Pete says, uh, uh I'm assuming that's Pete. I, I just made that up. Cochran. I don't know where I got the Pete from. It just says, anyway, a 579 with an X15. Well, I listen, if that truck has an AD9 Bendix dryer on it, Listen, I would take $1,500 and buy it in gasoline to burn that place to the ground. Um, cause you know, I can't imagine even a new truck not having a, like an 89, a, a damn dryer is a dryer, you know? Um, but if it's got a Bendix 89 on it and they charge you $1,500, I hope they kissed you before you left. <laughs> well, we almost, we had a guy almost pay what $3,000 for a clutch or something this week, didn't he? Or last week. And um seven seventy five hundred dollars that's what i meant i mean we saved him three thousand dollars yeah um so and and probably two weeks of freight you know um oh here we go lee buyer if the sidewall says max load yeah max load uh, x pounds at 120 is 130 really considered overinflating because it didn't say 120 is the max pressure yes if you go look at a car tire, it says maximum pressure. But it doesn't say max. It says recommended pressure at such and such load. No, no, no. I said car tire. I know, a, but I'm talking car, about a truck tire. I know. I'm getting there. A car tire says maximum, maximum pressure. pressure. Correct. A truck tire says maximum pressure at a load. So, and, and, um, Mike Beckett does an amazing job uh, of going through these different tables of how much, you know, it, you, how much your, your tire would have to be inflated at for a certain load. Well, sometimes it's super low and sometimes it's super high. Um, but you have to understand when you're talking with the amoebas in the shop, a car tire does have maximum pressure. That's what it says. But a truck tire says maximum pressure at, a certain load at a certain weight. And that's what you have to look at. Um, so you can't, you know, cause again, it's like the, these, it's like these emotional eight year olds on TikTok. What they say doesn't, it doesn't make sense and it's not logical, but it feels good to say it. And somebody somewhere then authority said, um, Oh, that's, that's what you're supposed to do. And then they just take it forever. Never question it. Never, um, never looks at it, you know, now, if you want to talk to somebody that knows what the hell they're talking about, Rocky Rockefeller, no commercial tire in the United States has a maximum pressure. The wheel will dictate the maximum pressure. And that's like 400, right? Correct. And it's stamped in the wheel. And, uh, yeah, I'm still looking at, so I don't think it says maximum load either. I, I don't think it says that. 
uh, well, it says, it says maximum, like ours will say 120 pounds at so many pounds. That's right. certain at, number at, of at, pounds. At, yeah. At 10,200 pounds, but I don't think it has the word maximum on it. I think it says recommended pressure. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's right. I don't think the word maximum is there, but it doesn't matter. It, the point is it, it's, it's not true. Okay. If you listen, if you want to take this side of the argument, then every time you, ch you load your trailer, you need to weigh it and adjust your, your tire pressure to match your load. Right. Cause that's what the engineers at Michelin will say is that the, the tire pressure has to be adjusted for your load. Mm -hmm. Now, nobody, nobody out there in greater trucking world does that, but yet you want to, come on here and talk to me about overinflating my tire and leave it that way all along. So, so we shoot for 130 to 140 in single drives and 115 in steers. That's that's where we're aiming at 70 degrees at set cold tires at 70 degrees. At 40 degrees it's going to be a different number and at 90 degrees it's going to be a different number. Uh back to fuel for a moment. Uh Mason uh Mason, one of these days, I want you to, I need a phonetic spelling of your last name so I could say it right. Cause I'm not going to try it. I'll sound like an idiot. GP Transco owner operators get fuel cards for pilot flying J. And before I get my authority, I plan to lease on with them. Is it truly worth fueling at TA rather than a flying J? Well, it depends on your deal. We have Landstar fuel cards and you know, Everything I've ever heard is that it is the industry leading discount program. Well, if you sign up with somebody that's got a deal with Pilot Flying J and they don't have a deal with TA, the numbers what's going to matter, right? Because what what's the cheapest fuel you can put in the tank? That's all that matters. It don't matter where it came from. Now, you know, we were talking about the mom and pops, and if they're not turning over as much fuel, you know, you have a somewhat elevated percentage of getting bad fuel over somebody that puts 10,000 gallons a day in the ground. Um, yeah, the, you're going to have to find some way of comparing fuel prices. If your fuel card provides you with some way of doing that, an app or something, if not, we have uh, what's it called? Find cheap truck stop, find, find fuel stops, find fuel stops, but you're going to have to find a way to compare uh, fuel stops on that in your network and it, the brand doesn't matter. You're, you just, cause it's going to change, you know, and you can't get loyal to a brand or can't get loyal to a particular fuel stop because that's going to, it's very volatile and it's going to change every, uh, every day. So, uh, that's the reason why we teach our guys to go on the app and look at where they're going today and find out where the fuel is cheapest today, you know, um, you can still get great fuel mileage and still have your fuel cost too high. I mean, we, we track the cost per mile fuel as well as the fuel mileage. And that cost per mile per fuel tells us when we have somebody that's paying too much. As a matter of fact, earlier in the night tonight, one of our guys was bragging about six, 61 cents a mile. He was, I think, one of our low guys this week. So his fuel cost this week was 61 cents per mile. Our fuel surcharge this week was 70 cents a mile. Now, we also had somebody that uh had a fuel cost of 75 cents a mile so obviously that person didn't do as good a job 
of buying fuel at the cheapest places as Tom did. So that's the reason we bring this number out. It's the reason we publish it and talk about it is because it's one thing to get good fuel mileage. It's another thing to pay too much for the fuel. And if you monitor both of those, then you'll keep track of that and you'll understand the, the difference between, um, you know, paying more for the fuel or paying less. Um, and we do this through Kevin Rutherford's fuel gauges. Um, mm-hmm. That's where we get these numbers. So it's a free app. And you can download it on your phone. Uh, and um, but anyway, uh, so educational Navaratnasingham, Navaratnasingham, Navarat. Well, I don't know where the emphasis is. Navaratnasingham, okay, it's from Sri Lanka. Uh, Rocky was saying, uh, Nat, Nastic has they need a new name that just sounds so it is it's it's na- it sounds nasty nasty <laughs> Nastic has a great fuel card like, for him like, it beats like, oida it's like astic it's like <laughs> ass somewhere in there. not as good as landstar pricing but the closest that you'll get no, they used uh, to call me they used to call me all the time trying to get me to take their fuel card and as soon as i tell them i'm Lance, they just hang up you know it, uh terminator i fueled up at speedway in ohio app stating a dollar 44 off i pumped and it ended up only being 10 cents off i'm with landstar if you had this before we generally stay away from the mom and pops and this is another kind of reason um i'm just not all that trusting of the numbers being correct uh now one of my guys turned in a fuel ticket a couple weeks ago this bizarre it was a sheets in Pennsylvania somewhere and I was going, what the hell? But I looked and now I didn't see it on the card activity report to make sure, but according to the discount, it was the cheapest fuel around. So, um, I don't know. I would call, I would probably call, uh, I don't know, card services or somebody. LCAP. Yeah. Call LCAP and talk to them about it and, and show them, you know, um, but you know, again, that I, I, I'm not a fan of Pilot, Flying J, Petro, TA, but there is some consistency there that I can kind of count on, you know. And so, it, um, except for the TA in what's that town in Ohio? Oh, outside uh, of Dayton, where, yeah. where where Neil Armstrong's from? Uh, yeah, no, um, just north of Dayton. Uh, gosh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. But anyway, yeah. Richie found out the hard way. Yeah, you don't about, want fuel there, okay? Yeah. So uh, um, there used to be one in Denton, Texas, but they're now they're they're now a company store. But that one in whatever the hell it, it's Wampakoneta, Wampakoneta, Ohio. Yep. Uh, start with a do not want to fill that TA there, okay? So, um, look at the the bottom line. Remember that, and we talk about this so much in our, um and our orientations with people. There are no blanket answers. Okay. We talk about the why. And if you figured out the why, the how will come to you. Why do we buy fuel at X place? Cause it was cheap. What are we trying to do? Get the cheapest fuel. What's our number one fuel cost or what's our number one cost fuel. So we do anything and everything that we can, whatever it takes to look out as far as we can look and try to find the cheapest fuel uh, because it's our number one cost. It's the biggest thing that you you can chew, uh, you can affect through your choices. Um, but we don't we don't say, oh well, I like 
pilot better. No, I want cheap fuel. I don't care where it comes from within reason. Um, and that's why we have to, um, think about it. Think, you know, um, it, it's like when we're talking about communication with agents, um, why do we send them, uh, an email when we arrive? Well, cause they deserve it. They have a right to know it's good business. It's courteous. It gives us a track record through email that that's what time you got there. And that's what time you left, you know? Um, but it's less about do what I said and do it when I said to do it. And, and understanding that we're, we're, we're doing this program so that you can learn those best practices and turn them into habits so that when you get in your own truck, you've already got all that figured out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Richie got the Larry Long special for fueling up at Wapakoneta without checking Landstar one. Um, well, Richie's had a few Larry Long specials. Matter of fact. Yes. <clears throat> <sighs> He's like the energizer oh. buddy, though. He takes him and keeps on ticking. Yeah. Clarence McGee, when figuring CPM on fuel, do you calculate it with the IFTA or just the discount? Well, we we calculate. I mean, you're, you're paying the IFTA. So when you're, you know, we're not choosing where to buy fuel based on IFTA, but IFTA is part of the cost. So, yeah, when we're entering it into fuel gauges, um, it's the total that they take from the fuel card. Because it's a cost. You're, yeah, you're, you're, we're choosing it, not counting IFTA. But when you enter the cost in that you paid for it, that includes the IFTA. So that cost per mile number is including your IFTA. True. Now, I was thinking about this driving up here today. And it might be too much, but could we, in the accounting system, show the retail price and then the discount where we could actually see in a year's time, how much the LCAP discount saved us on fuel retailer. You can track anything. It's just whether I want to do it and whether it's worth it, whether that knowledge is worth the work. You know how many fuel ups I, I post every year? That's a handful. I'd, I'd say that's a no, hard no. So. Well, because I was what I was wondering is what's the spread? Is it 50 cent in a year's time? Is it 50? Is it 75? Is it a dollar? Like what's, what's the, I would love to know what the overall spread is on retail price versus what comes out of the pocket. You know, what would that average be? And really the only way to know that would be to track the amount of the discount on everything and then average it out over a year. Um, um, Cause it's one of those intangibles that, well, I've got my own authority. Okay. How much you paying for fuel? You know, you're pissed off because Landstar takes 35%. How much more are you paying for fuel by not using it? Stand by a second. Stand by just a second. Okay, I'm going to fill time because you can't have dead air. Well, professional. I'm, I, might, I'm, I might just blow your little shit in the water right here. Because <clears throat> I'm always thinking about this, you know, lease versus authority and how much does it cost and, and, and everybody wants to focus on that 35%. We know the cost of leasing to Landstar is about $8,000 a year, whether you pull one load or a hundred in your various deductions throughout the year, you're going to pay about $8,000. Okay. I have your answer for you. Go I have ahead. your answer for you. We are, we're, I'm already doing that. Okay. okay so year to date, 
this year, year to date, we have spent um, $680,000 rounded off in fuel. Mm -hmm. After the discount, that number is, that's the discount was rounded off as $90,000. The so, rebate, the rebate is $90,000. Okay. So consulting mm -hmm. with ESC 9,000, 90,000 divided by 680,000. 13%, 13.2%. I would say about right. I, I was going to say probably 10 to 12% is probably average. So if you did a hundred, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't I not get an attaboy for that? Or you know, I'm impressed that you already had that number or anything like that. Thank you for your service. Um, so 120,000 miles. I'm the numbers guy. Remember is the numbers. guy. divided by seven would be 17,000. So if it was $5, Okay, that's $85,714 in retail fuel costs for one truck, 120,000 miles. So times 0.13. Uh, yeah, it's about ten dollars to $11,000 a year in fuel savings on 120,000 miles at seven miles per gallon. It's actually better than that because if I factor in the IFTA reconciliation, mm -hmm. it's another $4,500 credit. Oh, okay. So that's fifteen. Well, because but, you because, because you, you really count that. I mean, absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's revenue. You you already expense it when you when you when you when you pay it at the pump. You're paying the IFTA. I know, but I'm saying you. But the truck's going to do IFTA regardless of you're getting a discount or not. That's what I'm, I'm saying. I'm telling you that this year we got a forty five hundred dollar credit from our IFTA reconciliations. Now that's that's expense to fuel. That means if you're getting the money back, you got to credit fuel. <clears throat> right. Well, I, I still like the 13%, you know, so you're trading 13% and additional fuel, assuming that you're not getting any discount whatsoever. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm sure, Nastic or whatever, you can get some discount. So even let's split the middle and say it's five thousand dollars. Um, better with Landstar than with anybody else. Um, the variation in insurance, and and I know there are some guys out there. Well, I don't pay very much for insurance. Okay, well go total go total four trucks in four years, and tell me what happens to your insurance. Because that's what's. I mean, we've totaled four, four. One, two, three, four, four trucks in four years. Um, and our insurance has not gone up a penny, you know, I, well, I it didn't go up because of that, but not, all not because of that. went up right. a couple bucks. <clears throat> our, our, yeah, it went up like two bucks a week, but everybody's did, not just ours. I mean, here's the thing we could, let's just say that we said, all right, we're going to go compete with Landstar. We're going to um, Lunastar. Lunastar. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna create our own version of of Landstar, which is crazy because it's just all it is is a it's basically a payment processing system. Is really all it is in reality. If all things are equal, we have a corporate structure and we have owner operators leased to us, and we have agents and they're getting freight and they're delivering freight. And an agent or a beast or an agent or a truck screws up the load somehow. Guess whose fault that's not? Ours. 
you're wanting to blame Landstar for your own faults, your own failures, or the failure of some somebody you're not even connected to, but because of the blue stars and oh, it's Landstar, 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 Landstar. Really, all they did was provide insurance and cut a check. They didn't book the load. They didn't haul the load. You know, they they had so little to do, but because they have the brand, um, you're going to blame Landstar for your, for your problem. It's just, it's just nonsense. Um, but I digress. Uh, Mason's is a standard industry 30. It's standard. Yeah. Like when I was at, uh, Anderson, it was 67, 33. Um, I mean, if, a if somebody's going to provide you something, they got to get paid. So if, if a carrier is going to buy the cargo liability insurance and all the stuff that it takes to run their business, they got to get paid somehow. It's got to come out of the rate. So how else are they going to get it? You know, well, I'm on a 75, 25, I'm on an 85, 15. Okay. But compare apples to apples with me, you know, get, get your, get your balance sheet and your profit and loss and all that stuff and lay it down beside his and we'll see whose is longer. Well, and you got to compare apples to apples too. I mean, 35% of what mm-hmm. versus 40% of what I love. I mean, we see these ads all the time on Facebook for BCOs trying to hire drivers and it's all over the place. I'll give you 35 to 40% of net. And, uh, you know, it, it's, you just have to make sure you understand you're comparing apples to apples. Um, wasn't it George Bush years ago talked about fuzzy math? That's some yeah. of that fuzzy math, yeah. you know, and <laughs> I promise you it don't benefit you. Okay. Yeah. It's benefit somebody. It ain't you. Uh, I, um, You're not supposed to have dead air time. Yeah. Well, here's another observation. You you talked about this last week, I think. Um, driving up the road today, you know, when I started in this business, 1997, I would say that about 95 percent of the problems on the road were caused by four wheelers. Hmm. Now I know where you're going today. Oh, Lord have mercy. I. It's pathetic, isn't it? God, amazing. All you professional drivers out there. I had one, we were coming, we come out of the cash box on the West Virginia turnpike going North. And I, I run through the easy pass lane behind this guy and he's getting up through the gear. So I scoot out to the left lane to go around him and he puts me in the ditch and then he rides a dotted line for like a hundred yards. And I'm, and I'm asking my wife, I'm like, is there anybody beside him? And she's like, no, there's nothing there. And he's just riding down the middle of the damn road. And he finally gets over and I mashed the gas and went around and he blew the horn at me. Like it was my fault. I'm like, I'm not the dumbass running in the middle of the damn road. But now the reason he's doing that, I want you to know, is because of his ELD. <laughs> that was yeah. it. If it, it was all the, the ELD. If it weren't for the ELD, he wouldn't be doing that. Okay. Because <laughs> he would not be stressed. He would not be in right. a hurry. He would not have to do crazy things in order to make a living. All because of the ELD. Um yeah, it was it was it was shocking to see just the stupidity of some of these fools, um, and you can't keep it between their lines, you know. And I'm I'm in a damn minivan, 
you know, and I'm thinking, God almighty, it's, you know, well, they run into each other. They do. <laughs> they Spectacularly. Hit, they always between two trucks, you know? Yeah. Uh, Mason's got another question. Uh, what the, okay. Episode title questions with Mason. Um, <laughs> um, don't let me pick on you, Mason. It's okay. Right. Uh, would you guys ever move into specialized freight, freight, specialized freight like heavy haul at Landstar, like owning your own RGN trailers and stuff? For us, highly unlikely. Now, I'm going to qualify that. We do what we do, pulling a van with general freight. And what we're trying to do in that is teach you basic business with freight that's kind of easy to come along with, right? Um, we had a guy here that was all about heavy haul and oversize and all that stuff and trying to, it was a nightmare. Um, it was too much at one thing to try to do specialize and teach the principles of business and communication and accounting and all that stuff and, and, um, and looking for stop signs. It was so and, much that it forced him, caused him to uh, blow through two stoplights that had flashing red lights with it. Right. So, um, I slipped that in there too. Um, well, let me, let, let me, let me address it. Okay. So, so Mason, th there are people at Lanshaw that make big, big, big bucks doing that. Big. Uh, there's a guy on this podcast named froze 81. I think it is that makes big, big bucks doing that. Okay. But, I, it's what we do here is 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 teach people to use a football analogy. We teach blocking and tackling here. Mm -hmm. We teach the fundamentals so that you can leave here, stay in business, and then pursue those things down the road once you have a solid foundation your business is based on. So for us, it doesn't really work because it doesn't teach what we're trying to teach. You know, we, you'll take what you learn here and go on and do that if that's what your interest is. Now, I will also tell you this, that there's a lot of guys that do that. And then when things uh, go south and the business is not that good anymore, they run back to van. So having had a basis in van, they already knew how to do that. Um, we do have a couple of trucks at our platform. They're not heavy haul, but we do have a couple of, of opportunities here where people can come here, learn the fundamentals, and then move over to platform and use those fundamentals there to get their start. start on the platform side. And we, we do have an, uh, an opportunity there here, but we don't do heavy haul here. So yeah, Phil, Phil does an excellent job of teaching those fundamentals of platform. He has a, a group set up on signal that everybody has to be in and they have to take pictures of every load before they, as they're securing and feels like, Nope, put one there and a chain here and a strap there and move this around and, um, I mean, hell, I've learned a lot just watching watching that. So just doing platform freight is not a big deal. But when you get into that heavy and oversized, there's so much attention to detail. And, I mean, Phil's on a deal right now where they, you know, paid him to deadhead like 1,500 miles, you know. And I don't know. He's been sitting up there, seems like, forever. Um, so it's a great opportunity. And that's the thing about Landstar that you – um, you have all of these opportunities that are beyond general freight, 
but a bunch of people can't ever get to it because they can't do general freight without being a bunch of narcissistic drama queens that can't even pull general freight without screwing it up. You know, how do you think an agent is going to give you the keys to some of their high, high, high dollar freight when you won't send them a damn email, you won't call them with a check call. You won't show up on time. You won't trip plan. You know, it, it's just, it's just nonsense um, to think that, well, I'm worth $6 a mile. You ain't worth six cents a mile. A uh, bunch of you ain't worth a plug nickel, you know? And, uh, you know, I have, I have worked hard to develop some of the relationships that I have. And like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that was what was so disheartening for Seth to try to dispatch some people that didn't care about anything but themselves. And he's trying to use his relationships and his connections to get them good freight. And they basically just pissed all over it. Um, let's address this one here. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is a good one. How much money do y'all recommend having in the bank when buying a truck? I'm thinking about maybe sending y'all my app so I can learn how to do this successfully. I don't want to fail right off the bat. Bat. Go ahead. Numbers guy. <laughs> <clears throat> Well, in, in our business model, driving, buying and driving our kinds of trucks, um, right now I'm seeing our trucks for 20, 25,000, 30,000, maybe, um, we used to get them for 15 hell. We got one for five. So, yeah. um, you know, if we, when we buy one that cheap, we're, we're, we're going to get, we're going to put about 40 grand in it before we get it on the road hauling freight. So let's just use 40 as a number. So um, you need to have the 40,000 for the truck and then, you, and then and then you need to have enough to have in reserve. I'd say another 10, 20 would be good. Um, so about 60 would be probably a safe way to get started. And uh, in the Landstar, you've also got a couple of, 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 um, of uh, safety nets here because I want you here for a little while. If you have a major breakdown, Landstar will give you a little assistance if you need to, if you go through your 20 and still need a little help. So I would recommend that you, you do that. Now, um, as far as uh, sending your app here, uh, you know, you, the way our program works is you, you come here and you drive one of our trucks um, and we, we um, have you treat it like it's your own. And we will go through all the transparency that we go through to show you how we operate in our business model so that when you have been here for about a year and a half and you've saved up the $60,000 to go pay cash for your truck, then you'll know how to operate uh, successfully at the, in the Landstar system in a business model that will keep you in business even when uh, fuel gets six bucks a gallon and rates drop to $2 a mile. So, um, that would be the, my answer to your question. So now I want to add a little something to that. So when I first came to Larry in March of 2018, the, the kind of path was to obtain a truck, get it DOT legal and roadworthy. So it could, it could haul freight. Now it wouldn't be perfect. It wouldn't have everything just like we liked it. 
but it was DOT legal. It was safe and it was roadworthy. And then we'd start running freight with it. Okay, let's get it to making money. And then as it's making money, we'll do a little here and a little there. We'll put OPS on. We'll get the tires right. We'll get the alignment. Um, and we'll work the truck as we're lunaticking it in process. One of the things that we kind of learned through that was, and I, I've, I saw this because we, we, we brought in like three or four trucks, just boom, 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 boom. And I would get in it and it, we'd bring a truck in. I would get in it and I would just kind of shake it down and, and say it needed this, that, and the other. Well, what I noticed was we ended up taking the wheels off of these trucks like five times, take them off, do something, put them back on and take them off, put, do something else. And, and there, there, there was a lot of wasted labor in that. Um, so now my recommendation is, and you know, and it's, it's not a do it this way versus do it that way. I'm just looking at the long-term, more cost-effective way of doing this is kind of how we did it with Zeke's truck. Zeke paid $5,500 for that truck, towed it to Carl's house. Carl set it on jack stands and went through it. Bushings and brakes and bearings and tires and hoses and clamps. And, you know, we went through the truck front to back, top to bottom, side to side before we ever hauling freight with it. Um, and so we put that truck in service in July of 21. And I think the only thing that we did to it in that time was a turbo, uh, which was actually kind of our fault and a drive shaft. And then the, uh, the rest of it was just, just wear items. Um, but, uh, you know, I believe that the numbers over time would show that if you had the money up front to go ahead and just put the truck on jack stands and go through it front to back, top to bottom, side to side, that you're going to have a lower cost at the end because you're not having a bunch of this repeating labor. Take the wheels off one time, brakes and bearings and bushings and shocks, and, and then put them back on you know, versus little by little. Now, if you can get the truck for five or 10 grand and you've got 10 or 15 sitting there and you can get it DOT legal and roadworthy and you can start hauling freight with it and make money with it, you can certainly do it the other way. It's just going to come at a slightly higher cost than just completely lunaticking it from day one and then sending it down the road. You have anything to say to that? Nope. I agree. <clears throat> but again, just depends on how much money you've got going in. <clears throat> the um you know we we've done it both ways we've done it where we've done the m major things all the safety things all the things that make it reliable and then as we make money with the truck we go back and do some of the things that weren't necessary right then but would be you know would be uh better to to have done you'll reinvest the income um, if you have the money and you got, can do it up front, it's, it's, it saves you money in the long run because you're not duplicating the effort, um, and you're getting it done and not have to go back and worry about it. But in either way, it works. Uh, and either way, you're going to spend about the same amount of money, whether you spend it up front or spend it in, over the course of, you know, a few months or a year or whatever. So, yeah, you know, and, and there's a lot of things we do modification wise, you know, sometimes we'll buy a truck that's got brand new tires on it. That's not really what we want. But it'll haul freight, you know, and so we put it out there and run the, the tires for a while. Uh, and then when, when after it makes a little money, then we change them out to the tires that we like, you know. So it, it just depends on, 
it just depends on, you know, the situation that you're, that you're in, you know? So, yeah. <clears throat> People in the comments are asking about the episode with Phil. I believe that was one Oh nine, um, where he talked about the platform division. Um, you know, Phil, Phil was, was fortunate enough to learn like I did from some of the old school guys. Um, and you know, again, I'm not anti-technology, I love technology, but the fundamentals, the blocking and tacking, tackling, like Larry was talking about, you know, the map reading, the, um, Mason, uh, keep in mind, I'm sorry, Chris, I stepped. No, in. go ahead. No, go well, ahead. Well, we, we're, we're get we're kind of getting off again. You let me remind everybody what we do. We're, we're not here to advise people in trucking business, how to run their business. Okay. We know th this question right here. Well, I have no answer for that. I, I would not do it, but understand what we're trying to do here. We're trying to take the person who's buying their first truck and going into business the first time to be able to not be in the 90% that fail. Would I buy this truck? No. Would I recommend anybody else buy it as their first truck? No. Uh, whether or not you want to buy one down the road after you've got money in the bank and you want to, you know, that that's a, that's a different topic, but that's outside of our scope. Yeah. Uh, our truck is going to be an 07 or old or older Freightliner with a Detroit engine period. That's what it's going to be because that's the least risky truck to put on the road and make money with the cheapest to get on the road, the cheapest to maintain. Um, all the other things, I, you can give me all the little examples of how you did fine with it. That's great. But, you know, the, the, the numbers don't lie and the numbers support that's the truck that is the least expensive to put on the road, keep on the road and get into business and stay in business. Now, if you've been doing this for a long time and you've got money in the bank and you want to go buy a CNG truck, bless your heart. Good for you. But it's not, it's not what we would recommend for people who are listening to us trying not like, uh, whoever it was up here, um, him absolutely do not do that. Absolutely do not do that. Absolutely do not buy a truck. That's not a 07 and older Freightliner with a series 60. <clears throat> so let's, let's remember what we're called and why we're called what we're called. Okay. We're never going to be mainstream ever. Okay. Cause nope. mainstream is stupid. Mainstream, 90% of people who do this mainstream fail. All right. And we're not here to teach you how to do You can learn that anywhere. Go to any, any fleet out here. They'll teach you how to do that. They'll even let you yeah. sign up for a lease purchase and they'll help you do it. <clears throat> well, so and we're, that's trying a to, we're trying to keep you from doing that. So we're not going to do mainstream crazy ass things. Uh, that's why people talk about us. The, and, and that's the other thing that, when you look at these fleets because of their branding, you think they're the representative of the trucking model, but they're not. They're 15% of the industry. And that's kind of what I was, you know, when I going back to what I was talking about with Craig Fuller, he's got all this amazing data. Um, it's fantastic. But his market's like 15 or 20% of the industry. The the rest of it is is small fleets, owner operators. Um, people running spot, people doing little small local contracts, um, you know, uh, we call them dumbbells and triangles. And it, it's, it's just not the, an accurate representation of the market. Swift and Schneider and JB Hunt and us express and covenant. They're over in their own little thing. And I'm, I'm not mad at them. Let them do what they're going to do. Um, I, I really wish they would stop 
this institutionalized slavery that they've they've developed with automatic transmissions and restrictions and all this crap because they're capturing young people um, and rendering them absolutely incapable incapable of doing anything but drive for them or the one that looks just like them or the one that looks just like them or the one that looks just like them um, because they, they, they come to us and they can't shift and they can't do, read a map and they can't trip plan because they have no skills, none whatsoever. <laughs> They're absolutely a steering wheel holder. And it's they have no ability to think critically. Zero. <clears throat> Everything has to be policy and blanket decisions. They're mm-hmm. not they have no capability of looking at something and going, oh, here's the answer to this particular situation this time. They have to fall back to, okay, what was what what's in the book? Oh, every time I do this, I do this. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not how you stay in business, you know, that's how you stay. A, sl- a slave. That's how slaves stay slaves, is do what the master says. And um, we're trying to get people to start thinking for themselves. But the, but the problem with that is you have to want to not be a slave. Okay? That's you have the big want, problem. You have to want to not be that. So you can't decide to be a business owner and want slave things like, oh, it's a little bit bad right now, Lance. Or you should give me more percentage. Because <laughs> that's what slaves want. Master, give me some more. Give me some more. And that's exactly what, if that's the way you're going to be, don't do this. Stay working for a company. Let them buy you for wholesale and sell you for retail. Because that's exactly what they're doing. Now, when you decide to take over all of your own responsibilities, and when things get tough, you solve the problem, not answer that's the government or ask Landstar to solve the problem. Um, then maybe you're ready to take this step. Yeah. And work ethic. I, look, y'all, any business, doesn't matter what it is. It's hard. It's difficult. It's tiring. It's stressful. It's exhausting. And it's worth it. If you stick with it. And if you survive long enough to build that value and build that wealth, I don't know if y'all have ever heard of Robert Kiyosaki, but, and he's got some kind of out there stuff about some things. But one of the things that I love, he says that wealth is how long you can survive if you stop working today. All right. So if I stopped working today, I would last about 30 minutes. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's about how long I would make it if I stopped working today. All right. So think about that, you know, and he would say, well, if you, if you, if it cost you, $2,000 a month to live and you have $24,000 in value, you could live for 12 months. You're 12 months wealthy. Um, so back to the question of how much money do you need to have in the bank? Well, you better have enough to sit for a month or two. If what, well, something, what if you break your leg? You know, what, what if, hmm. what if somebody tears the nose off your truck in the truck stop parking lot? What if, you know, and that was my big problem. I, so the Y'all, listen, the fact that I made it three years is a miracle from heaven, okay? There's so many things that could have gone wrong and should have gone wrong. Um, um, you know, uh, and didn't, you know, obviously something finally did, you know, got me in three years in. But I couldn't, I couldn't stand it. I 
shut my truck down for two weeks, even if I wanted to, if I just wanted to go on vacation, I couldn't afford it. So, um, you know, you got to understand back to what Larry's saying. And Mason's got another question in here. I'm not even going to put it on the screen because here's my opinion. If you want to succeed in the truck, back up, if you want to succeed in any business, you better get your cost very, very, very low. And you better work your ass off for five years. You don't go on vacation. You don't, uh, you don't buy expensive stuff. So, uh, no, it, you can't afford to buy a 60, 70, 80, $90,000 truck. You, if you have a brand new trucking business and you want to survive, you need to be buying a five to $15,000 truck if you can find it. And I just saw one the other day, a guy put one up for 10 grand and of course it was gone immediately. Like, boom, you know, um, well, but besides that, Mason, the truck that you're talking about buying is going to have emission issues. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Part of the reason we go 07 and older is to avoid all these emission issues. All right. For the first two or three years you're in business. So you're not sitting in a, in a dealership waiting room, waiting for your one box to get replaced or some sensor or over and over and over again. Um, you know, again, you, you're probably listening to us for the very first time. You need to go back and, and, and we're, there's 136 of these. You need to start at about 49 and go and you'll, you'll understand why we do what we do. We, we do not recommend people do trucking the way trucking does trucking. Okay. <laughs> nope. Because it doesn't usually work out very well for you, all right? And if you don't believe me, go on any of the trucking groups right now on Facebook and look and see what everybody's talking about. How are we going to make it? How are you guys, how, how, what are you guys doing right now? How, everybody is concerned because they don't know how to make money in this environment. And this environment is not, we're not at the bottom, okay? <laughs> we're nowhere close. Nowhere near it. Again, we're still at a five, we're still within a few percentage points of the five-year average. So it's, uh, it, it's, you just have a lot of, 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 of work that you need to do to understand that if you do trucking the way trucking does trucking, you will be out of business and broke unless you start with a lot of money. Now, if you've got a million bucks, go for it. You'll probably make it. But if you don't, I would recommend that you um, understand how we do this to minimize risk so that you can stay in business long enough to be able to do things down the road that are a little, a little more risky, but you can afford to take that risk. Um, so anyway, appreciate you listening, but you got some homework to do it. I mean, if I was going to go into, well, hell music. All right. Perfect example. I was born with musical talent. My wife has musical talent. My parents and grandparents have musical talent. My kids have musical talent. Okay. I have a friend that used to be a professional touring musician. And I made some crack one day about, man, I just wish I could do this every day. He's like, no, you don't. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, do you, do you have any idea how hard it is to be a touring musician? Just a group of five guys, you know, very, very, very good like top level musicians, but not famous, just touring around the your tri-state area. They all made like, I think he said they made 80, 90 grand a piece. 
So, you know, you're talking about a, a, a group of five guys. If they're making a hundred, they're probably spending behind 50 or 200. They had a legitimate business of serving whatever the public was in that in bars. I'm sure lots of bars and weddings. And well, if I wanted to know how to do that, number one, I'm going to go to somebody that's done it successfully for more than six months. But I can tell you right now, um, I'm not going to go buy a $5,000 guitar. I'm going to go buy the absolute cheapest guitar I can get that will get the job done. You know, so maybe it's my Fender Squire Stratocaster, or maybe it's my cheap, you know, six string Ibanez bass guitar, or maybe it's a $500 Pearl drum set, but I'm not going to go get the best of the best. Now, why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense. So why would we do that in trucking when you have this massive overhead anyway? It costs you $120,000 to $150,000 a year just in basic costs. And then you're going to add $2,000 a week on top of that in truck payment. Why? So you can look like the next guy or because it smells good or because it rides good or because it's pretty or everybody else has got one. Uh, no, <clears throat> absolutely not. It doesn't make any sense and it's not mathematically sound. So that's why, um, well, that's why we're lunatics. You know, I, I can't, stress enough that the reason we're going to still be in business six months from now is because of our junk trucks. I saw that in our TikTok. Yo, junk. Okay. I well, was, I've been called the, uh, the, um, slumlord slumlord of Landstar. Yeah. Slumlord of Landstar, the, yeah. the bankrupt trucker and the laundromat King. Yeah. Well, uh, a lot of slumlords I know have big bank accounts. They do. Indeed. We, we've just got to think long-term, you know. I mean, my perfect candidate for this program is about 23 to 25 years old, single, unmarried, no kids, that will just get in the truck and shut up and and just soak it in and of course we got one richie um now i'm not saying that if you're 50 uh you know that you can't come because he didn't even start in truck until he's 54 but if i could get a couple of guys <laughs> and, that and i can 20s, and, I, and i can quit tomorrow and work a little longer than a couple of days <laughs> yeah. yes you can but somebody that was young, 23, 24, 25, you know, old enough to know better, but too young to care. Um, well, it's not, it gets, but Chris, it's not this. I've, listen, I've been in lots of business. I know lots of business people. It's any business. If, if you're going to start any business, okay, you have to commit to it. You can't have uh, other things that, that, that keep you from giving it your 100% attention. If you've got young kids at home, it's hard to do that in any business. Okay, um, it's um, it, it's 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 not just trucking, you know. It's what what people need to remember, and we remind them of this all the time: is when you buy that truck, you start a business. You know, when you're driving a truck down the road for somebody else, it's just a trucking job. Okay, but the minute that that your name goes on that door, it it that now becomes your business. You know, 
businesses are hard. That's why people fail. Half of all businesses fail within five years. Half of all businesses fail within five years. Uh, why is that? You know, it's not because they don't know what they're doing. It's they're just not ready for the commitment that it takes financially, emotionally, you know, time-wise. Um, there, it's you, it, it's it's not. If it were easy, everybody would 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 be doing it, and nobody would ever fail. But that's not the case. So you know, you can't. You, you know, a lot of people come here and they 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 want to stick their toe in the water and try it. Like I tell you right now, if that's what your attitude is, I want to try it. Don't come. Don't bother because you're not going to like it. You know, you have to, you have to walk, you have to burn the bridge behind you and say, I'm going to do this regardless of how, what, what it takes. I'm going to do whatever it takes to do this. If that's, if that's important enough to you, if that's what you think is going to, now here's what happens. Okay. You decide you want to do that. All right. Cause you don't want to pay that price. And then we get you at 61, 65, maybe luckily at 55 when you've dicked around your whole life. And you don't have anything safe for retirement and it just hits you all the morning one day. Oh, shit, I'm not going to be able to retire. I don't have any money saved. Okay, that's not the time to do it. That's not the time to do it. The time to do it is when you're younger, but make the commitment to do it and don't stick your toe in the water and go, oh, well, this uh, this and this is hard. I'm not going to, you know, because that's what it takes to be successful in business. And, and I've had people jump on me here. Well, uh, I don't want to be wealthy. Well, that's fine. Well, it's like Chris said a while ago. Wealth just means how long can you stay alive after you quit working? That's what wealth is. Wealth is retirement requires wealth. Got news for you. Okay. Unless you plan on working every day to you, till they put you in a box, you're going to have to have something saved, invested, whatever, so that you can get in Bill Taylor's Prevo motorhome and drive down to Florida and take six months off for the wintertime. Okay, that's a businessman. That's not some Jake leg. But but it, a commitment was required for him to be in that position, a commitment a long time ago, a commitment. So, um, you know, it, it's not just trucking. You know, you guys want to have something that you can hang your hat on when you get when. Listen, there's a lot of nice things to do in this country and all over the world, but it takes time and money to go do them. And you have to be able to take off work to go do it. Okay. So if, uh, if you're not making enough money to save money, then you're never going to do those things ever. Go buy lottery tickets. Evan says, Hey, <clears throat> I'm 22 and not married. Where can I sign up? Uh, well, well, I can tell you right here, drive for number four, blue ribbon.com. You have to have one, at least one year of verifiable over the road experience to qualify with Landstar. Uh, no tickets or accidents. I mean, you can have two, two tickets, um, but not three. Just uh, don't be, just don't be a, a you know, a, be a decent driver. That's all it takes. Landstar doesn't hire morons. Okay. Well, I can't say that. <laughs> Landstar has more, hires morons with good driving records. Okay. Correct. You can be a moron. You just can't have a bad driving record and be, be a moron in that regard. They got plenty of morons, believe me. Um, well, it listen. I, I have been I have been so disappointed because there's been I'm gonna say at least five people that we've really, really, really wanted to hire because we could tell they had the right attitude, mm -hmm. and it was some BS about 
Um, oh. They were in, they were doing it in a in a day cab, or yeah. they only drove 150 miles at one way instead of 175 miles. So it's uh, it's just you know it, it we we're we're trying we're looking at a possible workaround to that i'm I'm not gonna go any further but luna star remember that okay remember that word <laughs> luna star all right i was thinking so. we need to have like a university like lunatic university or lunatic lunatic college or something you know call the program um the lunatic academy is what it's I, called we have we have that already i have a slide oh, of it oh okay oh that's right you do look i can't I can't fault some people that have come here and and gone, okay, well, now I understand what it takes to be a successful owner operator. I don't want to do it. It's probably more often than not. No, these guys are idiots, and they just want me to work hard. And um, Well, I, yeah, we want you to work hard because that's what it takes to be successful. Yeah. You know, what you do here, can I share this, Chris? Uh, yeah, you should be able to. Just hit present. <clears throat> chair screen yeah careful y'all he's working on technology oh there it is yeah lunatic academy there's the textbooks right there <clears throat> see the textbooks yeah there's the lunatic part right there the moon so there you go <clears throat> uh, um uh okay lucky <clears throat> lucky truck and how long can one stay in your program well as long as you need to as long as you want to the you program to... is is 15 months it's 90 day probationary period and then a 12 month program uh but we're not gonna run you off i mean if you if you needed to stay two years to save up the money you need to save that's fine we're not gonna we're not gonna run you off unless you're lazy or dumb uh which we've listen guys listen please I've had enough. I've had all the lazy and dumb that I can handle for a while. So if the lazy, like that, I've you ever seen that Chinese poster? It's got Chinese writing on it. It says not dumb area. Don't dumb here. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've had all the lazy and dumb that I can handle for a while. My lazy and dumb is like level has been exceeded. So if I could just get, man, if I had five people right now, that wanted to come and take advantage of this program. Five more. We've got more than oh, yeah. five. We need, we, we, well, look, here, here's the thing. Let, let, let me, let me step in here and say this. Okay. <clears throat> Assuming that you have the experience of driving a truck to do this program. Um, coming here is not a truck driving job. Coming here is not learning how to drive a truck. Coming here is learning how to be in business. Okay. What it takes to get in business, what it takes to stay in business. And let me explain to you what that is. Serving the customer. That's number one here. Okay. Yep. You're going to get your feelings hurt when you come here. And what you want to do is not what we need to do to serve the customer. And you're going to get mad. You're going to get butt hurt. Okay. But you have to understand that's how you stay in business. I was at Walmart today buying groceries. You know what Walmart employees have no friggin' idea of is who pays their salary. Mm -mm. Okay. None. And truck drivers are no different. Nope. They don't understand who pays them. Well, that person has, they don't need to know where their freight is. It'll get there when I get there. Well, that's exactly what they need to know. They're paying you to haul the damn freight. So if that's your attitude, please don't come. Okay. Mm -hmm. Please don't. You're not going to like us. Okay. 
We serve our customer. That comes number one. We teach you why it's important to serve a customer because that's how you stay in business. That's how you survive at Landstar, prosper and grow without having to count on loads from agents that you dislike. All right. Now I want to, I want to clarify something he just said. <clears throat> if you come here, you will love Seth. You'll dislike Larry and you will hate me. And I will go right down the hall here and sleep like a baby when you hate me. Okay. So just, let's just clarify that. Well, and it's, it's not me. You'll hate us if you don't understand what we're here to do. And you want to come here and turn this into a truck driving job. If you come here to come to the lunatic Academy to learn business and to learn how to do things the right way so that you don't have to worry about fuel getting $10 a gallon. I pray for it to be $10 a gallon. Please, <laughs> Biden, make it $10 a gallon tomorrow, okay? It, but if you don't understand that, that's why you need to be here. Because it that does not matter. That will not put you out of business, all right? What puts you out of business is not serving your customer, not understanding that that's what's important, and not understanding that buying fuel and all the things we've talked about all night why that's important, why it's important that you understand that you can find out the cost of fuel all day long up and down your route. You have the option to choose where to buy that. You just have to have the desire to want to know it and the knowledge and resource to get it. But that could be a difference between you making money this year or not making money. Okay. Getting a truck that will not put you in a poorhouse because it's broke down all the time for a damn one box or a whatever. That will put you in the poorhouse. That will not keep you in business. That's why we don't buy them. Okay? Um, uh, um, shit, Chris, I lost my train of thought. Um, well, let me jump in here. It says, do I have to get Hazmat to sign on with you guys? To be honest, I really don't want to get it. Well, yes, Landstar requires Hazmat. Now, <clears throat> as a BCO, you don't have to haul Hazmat. You do with us. Um, but Landstar requires you to get hazmat because they cannot take a chance on some amoeba that, that they've allowed in that doesn't have hazmat to go hook up to a hazmat load because it pays more and run down the road with it with no certification. Now, let me, let me demystify hazmat a little bit for you. Hazmat is the easiest thing there is to do in the trucking industry, okay? If your paperwork is right and your securement is right, and your placards are right, you have no problems. And Landstar has the, hands down, the best hazmat department in the industry. You get a hazmat load, you take a picture of the bills, you email it to hazmat at landstar.com, you call them, they go over your paperwork, they check your placards, you put them on the truck. Piece of cake. Hazmat violations are the easiest violations, <clears throat> period. Getting a hazmat violation pisses me off more than anything because it's too easy. It's way too easy to have your stuff together. So getting hazmat is not an issue. And listen, again, what are you in business to do? Make money. How do you make money? You make yourself more valuable. You, you get go. the TSA certification. You get the hazmat certification. If they offer it, get it. Because if it mm -hmm. makes you able to pull another load, you need it. <clears throat> If you guys have listened to us, you know that my background, um, not background, my, my, my break in trucking came at Transport America doing that FedEx route. 
Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back to episode 49, 50 long in there. But <clears throat> I got offered a FedEx dedicated account to Transport America because of my the value that I brought to Transport America. Mm-hmm. Now, when I went to Transport America, it wasn't required that you had to have hazmat. It wasn't required that you went to Canada. Okay. But um, immediately I, as a businessman, okay, I'm 54. I've been in business since 1977. When all the other guys go, I don't want to haul that hazmat shit. I ain't doing that. And I ain't crossing that damn border. The first thing I did was get my hazmat, get an ELD, by the way, voluntarily, Mm -hmm. and agreed to go to Canada. Now, if you're, if you're trying to set yourself apart from the rest, how did, how valuable was I to my fleet manager over the dumbass who said, Oh, I'm not getting that stuff. Wonder, wonder who was thought of better than the others. Wonder if that had anything to do with me getting offered that FedEx, which I turned around in the next four and a half years and put $1 million in my pocket as a result of, I'd have never gotten that if I had, if I had the attitude like, well, I don't want to get a hazmat again. See, here's what I'm talking about here. That's truck driver mentality. Yep. Okay. That will keep you as a, as a employee, you know, a business part. Let me give you another example. If I go to a restaurant right now and the, and the dining room's closed, I don't go through the drive through. Okay. I leave. I hope they go out of business. I'm going to go down the road to the one that has a dining room, okay? Because they want my business. Mm -hmm. You're telling your customer that I don't really want your business. I only want this certain business, you know? And uh, that, that just plays right into what we try to teach people not to do, not put restrictions on you. Well, I don't like driving in snow. Well, okay. You know? Um. I'm going to, I'm going to get a screenshot of this one, uh, from Dawson Bryant Coberly, uh, saying if I ever get the work ethic of my pops, I'll come drive for you. So that's, this is Seth's boy, um, which I guess he's in, uh, I guess he's still in high school, but I'm glad to see at least one of the Coberly bunches watching this podcast. Cause I'm, I'm not sure where pops is at, but I don't ever see him. I don't ever see him around. Um, well, he's not driving a truck. I can tell you that he's home. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, a couple now, of questions here. Uh, you, yes, you can come and talk to us now. By the time, honestly, by the time you get through Landstar's qualifications, and we get you, we're getting ready to come up on the holidays. Your two months of OTR will be. You'll have that done before you need to worry about it. So, wouldn't worry about that, Evan. Okay. Uh, what you need to do is is go on there and put fill out this, submit the app. We'll set up an interview with you with Zoom, and we'll talk all this one on one. Okay. So, but, uh, if you're the one that didn't want hazmat, um, you're not going to like that conversation. So now I will say this, Mason, why would you not want to go to Canada? What's the damn difference between Canada and the USA? I actually stopped going to Canada. I used to get some big money, flatbed loads and stuff going up there, but I actually stopped in about 2016 because I got tired of dealing with the jackbooted thugs, um, that accosted me when I was trying to get back into my own country. Um, now of course, since then they're rabid about this vaccination stuff. So, um, I'm unclean and I'm not allowed to get in Canada right now. So, um, 
Well, that's a whole different story now. Okay. Yeah. That, that didn't, yeah. that didn't exist back in 2008. Um, but, but that's the thing. Okay. Again, you, the attitude of service. Okay. That's what you have to have to be successful in business. You can't be a truck driver. You can't have, you can't do things only that suit you. You may eventually be able to do that. Okay. When I was a wedding photographer, I eventually could take only the top paying jobs, but hell, I couldn't start out doing that. You know, you have to do whatever you have to do. That's how you get, that's how, that's how you pay the dues to be able to be around when and I, I think I mentioned this in a previous uh, thing. You do all these things now that you don't want to do. And then th down the road, you have pennies from heaven. You don't know where they came from. But, but it's a result of all the things that you did that you didn't want to do when you started out. But that you know what? That, that requires commitment. Okay? And a lot of people don't like that word anymore, commitment. And by the way, we're not going to Canada, so y'all don't forget all about that. that <laughs> yeah. There's a whole different situation, a whole different time. We ain't going to Canada. There's no – never mind. We're not going to Canada, so don't worry about that. Um, oh, I just saw something else, and I forgot what it was. Oh, peace, peace. Cocker, stop, Mac. Take a load to Alaska. Take a plane to Alaska. Yeah, just, just okay. drive a car up there. Don't take the truck. Yeah. Or, just, or, just, or take that – well, they're a really beautiful – ship that goes oh yeah a cruise there's a yeah. cruise that's it yeah and go in july but yeah uh don't drive your truck okay there the the there's no network up there when you break down you don't want to do that you don't want to do that uh i throw trucking this is very risky okay so uh just just fly <clears throat> well we've got an hour and 37 we probably uh probably going we're just getting up. started man we're just getting i'm just getting broke in i was kind of rusty when we first I'm, started i've already so. driven 400 miles a day and i'm still yeah. recovering from dollywood walking my fat ass around dollywood for 12 hours um but well, yeah you, you guys that are talking about checking us out we do have a couple of openings uh we you know we could we could put a couple of you on but but understand what we do here, okay? If if you if you want to be a truck driver, this is not the place for you, okay? If you want to learn how to be successful in business, and, and have wealth where you have a chance of retiring in a few years, um, then we'll teach you how to do that, okay? Um, the only reason Chris doesn't have it is because when he found me, he was so far in the hole that he's just now getting to back up to zero, okay? Yeah. So we'll start working on him, but uh, I had to dig him out of a hole, okay? But um, it's uh, it's what uh, we teach here is how to do this so profitably that you put money in the bank and you can, you know, you can every time we talk here about making money, we talk about making and saving money because that's how you get. That's how you accumulate wealth is is, is spend less than you make um, and, and, and not do stupid things. Quit using credit cards. Get out of debt. That's why we don't have you go buy trucks and put and buy them with fi with financing or lease purchases or or anything else. You know, we're cash business here, okay? And that's what we'll teach you how to do. So, anyway, uh, let's see. Looking at the calendar, um, what are you? Are we on? Uh, oh, we're we're going to be we're going to be on Sunday live from the hotel next week. So. That'll be spicy. Um, and then 
Are you going to be broadcasting from West Palm Beach, Florida? I will be okay. on Sunday night. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm getting in early. I'm getting in like at noon, so I'll be. I'll be ready to podcast. So okay, good deal. All right, we will see everybody next Sunday night at nine o'clock, live and rowdy from the from the Lunatic Lounge at the Wingate. So everybody, be good and be safe. We'll see you next time. Good night, everybody.